Welcome to the latest Pink Podcast in the Pink Elephant Podcast Series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Welcome to the key to transitioning from product to production with Gary Case. So you have that uh, who looks after the program, you know, so your archie matrix. Uh, you could have all kinds. You could have process owners. You could have the uh, uh, change managers, the problem managers. You could have the governance group. You can have uh, you know, a reporting analyst can be out there. You could have uh, all kinds, you know, a reporting manager. I've seen organizations create continuous service improvement managers, uh, and that's going to be new in the ITIL version 3. We're calling it out specifically, is that you need to have someone responsible for that. Uh, so you have to create what all the roles are, what are all the activities that your transition team has come up with, and then identify, okay, who's accountable, who's responsible, who are we going to consult with, and who are we going to inform. And so, you know, you're going to have to identify all these different areas that you have out there. Begin thinking about it well before you start moving into your, uh, you know, getting close to deployment. In fact, this should be part of creating a, uh, your transition strategy. This should be on your project plan. You need to have it in there. You need to have it as a milestone that you're already addressing. You need to take a look at that. Identify your team, has to be made up of both, plus I like to have a senior manager as a part of that particular team. You have to define those outstanding issues and the risks that you have there and make sure that you have acceptance on those or at least you know clearly what the mitigation strategy is, but then the production team that's taking it over has to say that whether they have the resources or whatever to implement the mitigation strategy. If not, that's another risk that needs to be added. And then, therefore, do we actually accept it? And you really have to do a release acceptance. Production can say, no, I am not accepting this until you fix this, this, and this. So production can you know, say, no, I'm not doing it. And this is kind of like your transition team, you could say, is going to be your cab to an extent because your change advisory board or your change manager, depending on how you set it up, think about releasing uh, an application into production. What were your test results? Do I like it? I'll go. If I don't like it, I may stop you. It's the same thing on this transition. You have to have that criteria defined up front, understand the risks and the issues that are out there, and what can I live with if I'm accepting this on the production side of the house? What can I live with and move forward, and I will take ownership to complete? There's outstanding issues or any risks that are identified. I actually believe this is the most important thing we have to do. Building a process is easy. Implementing a process is not as easy, but it's still easy in relative comparison to how do we start working on adoption and institutionalization of a process. That's the hard part. How do we get people to want to adopt it, to embrace it, institutionalize it where it becomes our way of life. And if you don't have everything set up in an organizational structure, understanding how we have to move forward, then you're going to have some real issues. People will fall back to the old way of doing things very quickly. It oftentimes falls over into the same kind of bodies, but I think what you need to do is add on uh, afterwards. In other words, you may even reach out to HR, and I know this is a scary word for some of you, audit. 
as a part of that governance body later on because what we have to think about is that this is not about governance around ITIL. Okay, a lot of people get caught up into governance around ITIL. This is around governance of IT service management, which needs to be supporting the governance of IT, which is supporting the governance of the enterprise, so to speak. Steering committee oftentimes is not made up of the process owners when you get started. It may oftentimes be you know, who they consider to be a combination of executive sponsors, not just one, but a combination. And so they, uh, you know, one or two of them may move over depending on how big it is. But from there, it's going to be uh, made up of some new bodies. Yeah, the question is, uh, I had said earlier about a process cab, and can you set up different cabs for different purposes? And my answer is yes. Now, is that pure ITIL? No. Because remember, pure ITIL says that we deal in the infrastructure world, which is hardware, software, and documentation, and we have a change advisory board. That's all they talk about. This is where you have to look at the complexity of your organization and you know, the knowledge, uh, the level of knowledge that you have in your organization and how much work runs through that normal cab anyway. And do I want to run all my process documentation through this cab that may not have the subject matter expertise across the processes? And in my case, I would want to say no. You know, if it's uh, the technology changes that's driven by the uh, process changes, of course, would go through that particular cab because that's the technical aspect of it. But even in many organizations, there's nothing that says you can't have local cabs also. If you think about, uh, if you're global, regionalization and stuff like that, you may have some local regional cabs that's out there. Uh, I, I'm just typically saying that I don't want to run my process stuff through this change advisory board that's dealing with the technical uh, because they already have a lot of work to do. Okay? And so my subject matter expertise now is more the process owners that could make up that process cap. That's a Gary term. You don't find it anywhere in ITIL. Okay. Does that help some? Uh, the question is, uh, have I had any experience where having on the steering committee a customer? And the answer is yes. And uh, there's one group, actually, their steering committee is made up. It's a government agency. And they have a number of their agency CIOs that actually set out there on what they call their uh, technology planning group, which is a part of their, uh, gets all the full uh, disclosure about what's happening, program updates, and they sit very closely with the steering committee, but I've actually had the business on a steering committee. One organization years ago we worked with, when I got on site and we started doing all this work, I says, when are we going to talk to the business? Well, we aren't. Well, when are we going to talk to the business? Well, we aren't. I mean, I went through this months and months and months. When are we going to talk to the, well, we aren't, okay? And so they rolled out the first uh, processes. We did three of them. Well, we did one to start with and then two others shortly after that. And the business, the very first question that they asked was, why didn't you include us? So I kept saying, you need to talk to the business, but they knew everything better than me, so they didn't. So the next time around, not only did we include them at a higher level in the uh, decision-making process, but we actually had people from the business on the design teams that they helped develop the process. Okay, I'm going to just make this comment, and this is for everybody. You have to understand who is your customer, okay? Define who the customer is. And in their case, what they had identified the customer specifically for their area of where their focus is was the agency CIO, okay? So they were saying they are a customer that we are looking at, whereas that CIO, you know, has a development group which is, provides the customer service out this way here. So again, that's what they had contained in their uh, area. 
you have to determine who is your customer. And every organization has to determine that. And then how do we reach out to them? Okay, the question I think if I heard it was, if you have multiple cabs and you refer to it as a cab, does that create confusion? Is, was, was that the question? Yeah, and I guess that may be where you differentiate between a technical cab and a process cab, potentially. But that confusion could be there. So you may think in terms of something different, but you still have to have someone do the review. And if you run everything through the normal cab and you accept that, and I'm okay with that, don't get me wrong, I, that's a great way to go, but remember they have all these technical things that they need to be doing, and is that going to interfere, and do we have the right subject matter experts in our cab membership now that can address the process? So it can create some confusion in, in your own organization. You'd have to look at how do we differentiate, differentiate that if we need to. So good point you should really have in your organization an enterprise architectural group and if that group is not taken into consideration what you're doing from a service management tool perspective and everything else that connects and integrates into your service management tool suite it's going to create issues uh, you want to avoid customization there's no reason to rewrite code in today's world you want to avoid that like the plague because what you do is you customize yourself totally out of any ability to upgrade or do anything else Take a look at what is out of the box, what is functionally can be changed fairly easy, and then how can you go through and then use that to support your processes. But you have to understand tool requirements. But remember the vendor community, if you're out there on the floor, they've done a good job, especially around incident problem change uh, and any, a lot of them, configuration management, that they have a lot of stuff out of the box that really will support most processes fairly, fairly well. There's always going to be personalization. That's the word that I'll use of what seems a little better, but if you're starting to rewrite stuff, I, I would say no. That's totally, I, I just wouldn't do it. You know, What you're doing is going down a path that is committing you to something for a very long period of time that you will not want to change. It's going to cost you a ton of money, a ton of resources, and a ton of time, and it's going to slow your project down. So you want to make sure that you have this tool committee or whatever that you're looking at this, and it's not only just for service management, and this is a much bigger thing, it's around enterprise management. First off, I guess to kind of paraphrase, you know, with continual improvement and adding on new processes and, you know, moving things from a program into production environment and all the different roles that may be changing out there, how do you do it? Well, I guess first off, I think you have to plan in the beginning. In other words, I ask companies to start thinking today about who are you going to reach out to for all 10 processes as process owners. Okay. Just so you have an understanding of who these people are in the organization because even number one, you may want to start inviting them into your meetings early on. So even if we're not going to develop availability for two and a half years, get them involved in discussions early on. So start identifying that and that doesn't mean it's solid because you know people change, roles change, et cetera, but you want to start identifying uh, that. And then, yeah, through your continuous improvement process, you might, may find some things. You may find some people are not right for the role, okay? Has anybody ever been stuck in the wrong position before? Yeah. And so you have to make some changes in that manner, too. Uh, but you, it's a continual process of just saying, okay, what do we need and what's the best resources that we have available? And is it a part-time, full-time type role? Service level management is a prime example is that, you know, you're going to have a lot of activities that get generated out of uh, service level management. 
because they're going to have to define you know, monitoring requirements. In order to do the monitoring, you're going to have people have resource to do monitoring. Uh, out of that, you're going to have reporting. Who's going to do the reporting? So now we have all these activities of availability and capacity management that we haven't even implemented yet, but they're driven by service level management. So then you start getting into the functional roles that you have within the process roles and where do we position them within the functional groups of your particular organization. And they will change. I think that's what continuous improvement is about. What you don't want to do is um, just keep dumping responsibilities on a role without understanding what's the impact there. Uh, because we, we want to get out of the firefighting nature and get more into proactive. And if all we do is keep dumping reactive things on this person, they're never going to have an opportunity to do any of the proactive things. One thing that when you're starting to look at implementing processes, um, I really like to take a phased approach with service level management. You know, in other words, I may want to deal with the service catalog first, understand if I have existing SLAs in the organization, uh, do I have to uh, put in place any operating level agreements to support the SLAs, uh, and even if I do a service catalog first, uh, I like to have default levels of service defined around my services in the catalog. And so just by the nature of I have a default service level, I need to have OLAs in place. Um, and then I may not get into the monitoring and reporting until later. But maybe I have to do monitoring and reporting before I can even start talking to the business because I don't know what to talk about because I don't know our capabilities. I don't know what we're delivering. So that may generate additional roles. So I mean, this is where you start looking at the integration of things, but defining the activities and then what role is associated with that. And you may not call it an availability, but you may just call it a monitoring role or a reporting role or something like that that is in support of service level management. But there'll be changes as time goes on. But if you don't define what those roles are as you're rolling out a process and then make sure that that role gets filled and that that line manager supports that role, on an ongoing basis, you know, it will be a challenge. One of the things I always talk about is uh, uh, what I call production support documentation, which would be a start of what are all the things that we would want to have from a production perspective in order to support it. So list of criterias and, you know, I don't even know if I have a template. I've worked with organizations, you know, that, you know, have talked about that, but I call it production support. So it's all these things that have to be laid out. Anyway, anywhere from, you know, what are the known errors, escalation procedures, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that you're going to document out and be able to hand over because that's a release. And it's when you're releasing, it's not just releasing to production environment, but it's the training and everything, not only for the service desk and uh, other support groups. We think about training the customers, but we don't think about training our internal people who have to support it. So... That's one of the challenges that you get into. But I, I, I can't say that I have a template. Yeah, I'll send that to you. Uh, but you have to list what are the criteria. And I would start from the production side of saying, if I'm going to accept this, what do I want from applications? You start listing. And you can come up with a pretty good list. And a lot of it should have to do around how do we deal with incidents, problems, you know, escalations, you know, procedures, if you have known errors, solutions, uh, contact group, service owner, you know, some things like that. Thank you very much. Good luck on this. Thank you for listening to this week's Pink Podcast. Please join us next week for a new podcast session.